Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Hello and welcome to Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong and this is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, Kip Boardman. The story behind Los Angeles artist Kip Boardman's newest album started with the band he'd assembled for a gig at Los Angeles' legendary Westside hole-in-the-wall dive bar and music venue, The Cinema Bar. As is often the case, the night of the gig, a group of stellar musicians wound up playing yet another exceptional show for 15 people, such as the life of a musician. But one of those lucky people in the audience that night in 2013 was longtime Brian Wilson percussionist Nelson Bragg, who also happened to own a small record label. The band was hot, the songs were good, and Bragg was impressed enough to approach Boardman after the show and ask him if he thought he could replicate that magic and energy in a recording studio. Boardman smartly said that he could, and the pair decided to make an album together. In a stroke of logical inspiration, Boardman and Bragg took the exact same players from the Cinema Bar show into the studio and tracked the songs completely live in order to capture as much of the live show lightning as possible into the studio bottle. The result is Boardman, ten songs that swing, smolder, groove, and stay out of their own way. Boardman's reedy tenor doesn't so much soar over this group of tasteful, seasoned musicians as it lilts across the surface, ducking, meandering, and inviting the listener to come along for the ride. Imagine Neil Young fronting the Grateful Dead if Jerry and company were playing in tune and in time. Boardman's economical dry wit and clever smirk are in full display on the album that bears his name, and when the needle reaches the center groove at the end of side two, it just feels right to flip it over and start again. Welcome to Independence Day, Kip Boardman. Hey, Kip. Hey, Joe. How's it going, man? Very well, thank it's you. Great to see you. Good thank you for coming you. out. Thank you for doing this and coming out and playing music. You've got great music. Oh, uh, that's very kind of you. Thank you. I mean, I've seen you play around town uh, with numerous people over the years since I've been here in LA. Um, I don't think I've ever caught you fronting a band. So when I, you know, I knew that you had other records out there, but I didn't know you well enough to have copies of those records laying around. I didn't see, like, since you were always in kind of in support mode when you were playing with people, and I've seen you play numerous instruments. Um, but you've got this brand new record under your own name, Kit Boardman. I do. Uh, it's your fourth proper record, I suppose. And mm -hmm. uh, it's really great. Thanks. So first off, kick ass. Thank you very much. Uh, you're welcome. So, uh, so tell me this. Like when, I, when I listened to this record, I popped it into the, into the player. Um, it's got an easy kind of feel about it, right? Um, and it seems like the, the, the phrase that kept coming up in my mind was, it's like an exercise in restraint. You know, was there a, a plan to kind of be mature as a musician about it and be restrained? Or was it just totally organic and that's just what happens? It was kind of organic. Um, and, uh, you know, it just had a, happened to have this wonderful bunch of musicians yeah. that... Uh, and no one had been playing together um, a lot, so I think everyone was being Try not uh, to careful step. not to step on each other's toes and, yeah. uh, and you know, just let the songs speak for themselves. So tell me, um, you know, first off, list the players. Is it, is it the same players that you're going to have? Your play tomorrow night is the Cedar Release Party at yes. El Cid, the Honky Tonk Hacienda. That's right. And so tell me, are the same players? The, the same players. Okay. Um, Eric Haywood, who's playing here with me today. Uh -huh. And Dave Gleason and Rob Douglas and Steve McGallion. 
which is pretty cool to have the same people do the CD release as well. Oh yeah, well this this record was it couldn't really be any other way just because the record was recorded live with these five musicians. So okay, now when you say live, tell me like how live, like live with a capital L, like vocals and everything live. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty cool. That's a commitment. I mean, <clears throat> there's a there's a uh, you know a couple of background vocals that happened later, but um, but uh, I. I played and sang, which is, you know, I apologize to everyone because of that. <laughs> All right. No self-deprecation, man. You've got a cool thing. Do your own thing. Whatever it is that you are, be that. And you're a good thing, you know? Thank you. You're welcome. So the, again, you, you captured, I was, it's not really capturing lightning in a bottle because it's, it's not really lightning, you know, it's, it's too laid back for lightning. <laughs> um, so, I mean, was that always the idea to go in and do things completely, I mean, almost completely live like that? Uh, yeah, was it? Um, we had played a show at the Cinema Bar, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Yeah, um, legendary place. And uh, our friend Nelson Bragg happened to be there, and he—it was kind of his idea to uh, put this band in a studio and record, okay. record it just like that, just to record a show kind of thing. So, did he serve as a producer for this then? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and he's got some credentials. He you know, does. Nelson's been around. He knows. He's got good ears. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. So then he does he come up to you like at the Cinnabar and say, "Hey, I want to get you guys in a room." Yeah, he he did. He it's did. kind of like the local version of what every band dreams of. Some it's true. producer comes up to you, "Hey, hey, son." You know, it's like at the end of the I Blues think Brothers. You got what it takes. You got what it takes, boy. So yeah, that's that. That's what happened. So then, and, uh, you know, at that point, you know, once you commit to doing something completely live. It kind of changes the paradigm of how you're going to do this because you're committed to every solo, every little overdub, every part. Um, no done, overdubs. Yeah, it's done live. I mean, there's not, you know, aside from like albums that are billed as live albums. Right. There's, you know, there's a handful of studio albums that I can think of. Well, I think more people are m making records this way yeah. nowadays. It's sort of a trend in Good recording. Thing. Yeah. Because it forces you to play and be honest with your playing. Yeah. And, forces you to, I don't know, it's, it's great. There's mistakes, which are just beautiful. Yeah, well, that's there are beauty. There, I mean, there is beauty in the mistakes, I should say. I mean, or happy accidents, we'd like to call them <laughs> in the music business, where you, you do something kind of funky, but it's it's cool. You know, you wouldn't yeah. have done it. You wouldn't have intended, you couldn't have planned it that way. I know, there's this moment just before everyone really knows what they're doing or what the song is, where that's where magic comes out and yeah that's the uh that's always the first take um yeah where, where nobody f***ed up too badly that's that's the one oh sorry forgot we were on npr and then so but then how what was the time frame that transpired between the time like when nelson came up to you and said hey let's do this and the uh, time that you actually recorded it i think we played a show in march and we did our first um, first session in June, and our uh, we did one three months later in August, okay. and um, in a really hot basement recording yeah. studio. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. We're going to play some of this in just a second and see what it sounds like. But the the thing is, like I said, there's once you commit to doing something completely live, if you want to go like the Steely Dan route, everybody's got to be in separate rooms and amps have got to be in separate things. Like mm. how, 
you know, you're committed to getting all these tracks live. So to a certain extent, it doesn't matter if you have too much bass in the overheads or what have you, right? Right. I mean, we were all wearing headphones and their amplifiers were in a separate room, but they were in the same room. Right. So. Right, right, right. They're, yeah, so all the amps are together in one room and all the yeah. humans are together in the other room. Right. Okay. And the drums were in this room where all the humans were. So. Yeah. There's that too, which are. Yeah, I mean, and people who aren't, you know, savvy with recording, and people who aren't musicians, especially or recording engineers, I mean, everybody does it now. Everybody's got GarageBand on their mm. laptop or on their phone. You can multi-track on your phone now. It's incredible what we can do. Um, but it's really changed how, how people do it. Because I think it, it touches on, before you mentioned, there's like a trend of people doing things kind of real. I think it's because we all have access to these things in a way. It's almost like we have too many choices, so we want something. We're longing for something real. Mm. That's what I'm thinking. That's 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 good. <laughs> Thank you, Kip. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a great time talking to Kip Boardman, Los Angeles-based musician. He's got a brand new record out under his own name. Three records before that you should pick up. His website is kipboardman.com, B-O-A-R-D-M-A-N. Uh, so drop by his website, pick up his music, and come by uh, El Cid tomorrow night for the CD release party. So we're going to talk some more in just a second, but I want to give people a taste of what this music sounds like. So this is a track from his brand new record. It's called All in the Course, Kip Boardman on Independence Day. Spoke again, or all the fences got me. 
She hit him with the frying pan, he sassed her tires. She said, shut up and kiss me, set them both on fire. The smoke filled up, set off the alarm. They were hacking and spitting, they were gonna buy the farm. They got a little air when the roof caved in. He was ready to give up, she kicked him in her shin. Oh, in the course of a conversation. Welcome to Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong. Tonight's guest, Kip Boardman, relatively uh, legendary guy in the Los Angeles music scene. Played with, played with, come on, man. Don't, <laughs> you're so sardonic. That's what I love about you, though. All night I'm thinking, how am I going to get Kip to talk? Yeah, good question. <laughs> People have been asking that for as long as I've been alive. That's my challenge. So I'm going to try. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best. Uh, I got a brand new record. It's really, really great. Um, you know, before I was telling you how it's kind of like an exercise in restraint. The other thing I thought of, and I'm, I'm curious to know what you think of this. Um, I don't know exactly know what your influences are, but when I listened to it the first time and then the second time through, I kept thinking like, this is what the Grateful Dead would sound like if they could play in time, <laughs> fronted by Neil Young, circa 72 or so. Wow, I, I wish. That sounds good. Yeah. I mean, it's a tip of the hat because your voice, you know, is uh, it's 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 a gentler instrument than some people have, but it suits the music so well. Well, there's songs I wrote, so yeah. Well, of course, it's your thing. It's your album. All right, so I, I can see that. We're not going to go and get anywhere. We'll be trying to get you to talk in that way. I'm going to have to bait you with something else. I'm like a cat with a feather on a string. Um, tell me, all right, Kip, tell me where you came from, you know, what planet, what city, what time, like, where did you grow up? I grew up on the East Coast in a town called Marblehead, Massachusetts. Okay. And is that, uh, so it's, I mean, I guess everything on the East Coast of Massachusetts is kind of Boston area to a certain extent, right? Yeah. Okay. F- 15 miles away. Oh yeah. So it's very close. Okay. So, you know, and Boston's got a good music scene. I spent some time there myself at the Berkeley College of Music. They've, right. You know, lots of bands out of Boston, classic legendary bands. Um, were you I mean, playing music in a, like, did you come from a musical household? Was there always music in your family growing up? Sort of. I had an older brother who was a musician. He's a f- <clears throat> fiddle player and sort of a bluegrass traditional kind of musician. And, you know, listen to uh, stuff like uh, the Beatles and the Fairport Convention and stuff like that. So there were great records around as I was growing up. Were your parents musical as well? Did they play instruments? No, my uh, my father's mother was musical, um, but um, kind of skipped a generation. Okay. So then in your household, was it... I mean, it's, it's, it's different for different generations because now, I mean, everything is everywhere at all, all times. You, mm. you know, if, even if you don't have the song on your phone, you can go to the internet, probably in YouTube, and just play whatever song you want to hear for free at any time. And 
but you know, back you know in our generation or, or our parents' generation, it was a thing. You like had to go to the record store, buy an album, put it on the turntable, drop the needle, and play. You know, was was listening to music something your family sat around and did for enjoyment, or was that something that just you and your brother were more into? Uh, well, I would say um, I don't know. My parents had some records around, like uh, Oklahoma. I remember that. <laughs> Um, but but they they didn't care about music so much. Okay. So then, okay, let's fast forward just a little bit. Um, you know, most people, like, maybe they take some lessons when they're a kid, but then high school is when they really start to get out and play music with their friends. Um, tell me about yourself in high school. Were you the, which kid, which kid were you? Well, I had started playing piano at a very young age and had sort of just figured some stuff out by ear and um and kind of went along that way and like i never did played in band in high school or anything so like through the school type yeah band. so i was kind of like a solitary person <laughs> mostly classic classical music uh just no more like um making stuff up kind okay. of improvising and um so it wasn't until I got to uh, went to college that I that somebody okay. somebody decided I should be a bass player because it only had four strings on it. And I think you know it's funny. I think bass players get kind of a bad rap, but I think you're right. Like someone else, when you become a bass player, it's because <laughs> someone else decided you should be a bass player. And so that's what happened. And it's usually a guitar player when there's too many guitar players. <laughs> like somebody, the crappiest guitar player, maybe gets chosen to draws the short straw and has to play bass. But bass is so important. It's like the glue that holds stuff together, I think. It really is. And it's a and different mindset. Yes. And I played tons of bass in my life, and I love doing it. Yeah. You, you kind of check your ego, and you have to support, which, yeah. is, which is essential. I mean, everybody thinks they want to be Eddie Van Halen, but most people aren't Eddie Van Halen. Thank God for that. <laughs> it gets worse, man. Eddie, Eddie's not so bad. Mm. At least he smiles. True. You know, so much so much hard rock is like ominous and there's lots of scowling, you know. I'm working on my scowl. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that, Kip. Uh, so, okay, now you're in college. Where is college for you? Uh, Bowdoin College in Brunswick, Maine. Okay. Small school, big school? Uh, smallish liberal arts kind of place. And I started playing in bands Okay, uh, there and... Um, my education went down downhill, and so the original bands, cover bands, kind of a mixture of the two. Uh, mostly original, okay, stuff. And that's good because that's where your real education comes in. Because everybody learns how to play covers, and that's all well and good. Mm. But I feel like you don't become whatever it is that you're going to be musically until you, you know, stop playing. I don't know Beatles, Fairport Convention, BTO covers, or whatever. Yep. Stop playing Brown Eyed Girl and playing, you know, making up your own stuff. That's true. So then, was it? I mean, again, bass, I don't want to, you know, disparage the bass players, but when you switch from piano to bass, I mean, was it a, it's a different instrument, you know, a keyboard instrument versus a stringed instrument. Was it a challenge in any way, or do you just kind of pick it up and go? Uh, I just kind of picked it up and went and um, gradually fell in love with it and uh, loved playing with drummers, and that was, that seemed like the mo most important thing. All right. Well, tonight you're going to play some guitar for us. You know? I am. And uh, this first song is, uh, you've got Eric Haywood, I think, is going to play with you on this. 
Yep. Okay, so what's the first track we've got here, man? This is a song called Running Right. It's the first song on the new record. All right, very nice. And actually, Eric's going to play acoustic guitar in this, but we're going to hear him play some pedal steel in just a little bit. Right. All right, so welcome to the both of you. Welcome to Kit Boardman and Eric Haywood. Brand new song from his brand new album. This is Kit Boardman with Running Right. All the confusion Out on the road Money was flying Colors were shown In your expression Intentions were paid so much more than just getting saved I was looking for another beginner looking for a better than a second chance couldn't tell the difference between a saint and a sin long as she kept the engine running right fell into place Was it always as clear as nose on your face And I broke the promise At the mention of love The wrath of the gods rained down Down from above For a better than a second chance It didn't matter if she burnt our dinner As long as she kept the engine Running right patch of sky and I can't see the stars I picture you driving you steer with your knee light up a cigarette forget about me and if you're looking for another for a better than a second chance You know I'm never gonna be a big breadwinner I can't keep the engine 
Independence Day, that is Kip Boardman accompanied by Eric Haywood on uh, guitar. So two acoustic guitars there. Good stuff, man. You guys are great. Oh, thanks. It's Eric f- Haywood's amazing. It's fun. Well, you're amazing, too. You're, I think you're too self-deprecatory is your thing, man. Too self-what? Deprecatory. You've got the jacket. You've got the snapshot. You've got everything you need. And you've got, you're great, man. You know, just go with it. Will you manage us? <laughs> sure. Everybody loves you in this town, man. I <laughs> love having Kip play along. Anyway, so uh, Mutual Admiration Society is over. Kip Boardman, welcome. Uh, what are we going to talk about next, man? There's so much to talk about. We talked about college a little bit. Um, so did you finish college, or was like music just it at that point? Uh, well, I would like to say that music was it, but, you know, no, I didn't finish. Okay. Um, I mean, you don't really need to. I mean, there's some of, you know, geez, Bill Gates, those guys didn't go to, I don't think they finished. Some of them didn't finish high school, I don't think. Anyway. Other millionaires. Other millionaires, other than ourselves, of course. Yeah. Um, now, having switched to bass, you know, it's always great to have a guy in the band or a girl in the band who can double on a, on a different instrument. Were there points at which you were still kind of roped into playing keyboards on stuff, or was it a situation where you're playing in the band and you've been playing bass for like three years and all of a sudden you play piano and the singer goes, wait a minute, I didn't know you could play piano. Uh, you know, not really. I, 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 was, um, I, was just, I was a bass player for a long time. Okay. Now, you know, fast forwarding to, you know, your career here in LA, were you, is there a particular instrument you like playing the most? Is it still bass? Is it guitar? Is it keyboards? You know, uh, it, it changes, you know, it depends on how long I've had one in my hands. Yeah. And now you do approach, I mean, obviously you approach them different, they're different instruments, but like thinking about your influences, right? Like when you play keyboards versus bass are you thinking of billy preston playing with the beatles are you thinking uh, often yeah or are you thinking then when you switch to bass are you also then thinking paul playing with the beatles or do you kind of switch it up for different instruments um i don't i you know i don't even think about it i just just play okay and <clears throat> i'm sure i'm sure it's in the back of my mind but it's uh unbeknownst to me Okay, now get me geographically and chronologically from the East Coast to the West Coast. That's a really big switch. Like, what for you uh, was it in you that made you think, okay, I've been here, East Coast is great. Because, I mean, there's a lot of, sometimes there's even animosity. A lot of East Coast people, you know, look down and look down upon the West Coast, which is fine because California's closed. We don't need any more people. Stay there. They can stay there. The water and the fire problems. It's terrible here. California's terrible, yeah. Don't come here. It's terrible. Stay away, all of you. Uh, but there is there's some kind of animosity. So what was it for you that turned it that made you think, man, I want to go there? Well, I had uh, moved to New York City with my girlfriend and um, from Boston, and that was really fun to move to a strange big city. Yeah, and that was so fun. much music too. Yeah, that was finally something else. And she was an actress, so of course she wanted to come out here and. So I thought, okay, I'll do it again. Move to a strange new city. And what year, you know, kind of what year-ish was that? How old were you at that time? Uh, I was, uh, that was in uh, 91. Okay. And then, if, how long had you been in New York? So was it... Just just three years. Okay. So that's long enough to like get a feel for New York. Like some people go and like they go for three months, like, oh, I've lived in New York. But you kind of, you knew the grit and the... Yeah, the hum. That city just hums. I loved it there. Yeah, and you were playing in bands there too. 
No, I wasn't. Oh, okay. So you had a little break there. I did. Okay. So then what then, was it California that made you get back into playing? Uh, it just, uh, it just came back around eventually. Um, and, uh, I started playing bass again and, um, at some, no, that's another story, but, um, I started playing with, uh, I met Randy Weeks, you know him? Uh And, um. Um, he was doing this project with this guy, Ramsey Midwood. Um, and so I got involved with that and um, ended up recording uh, his first record at my house with a bunch of great people. And that, that's how I met like Don Heffington and Tony yeah. Gilkison. Yeah, good players. Yeah. Good humans. And Charlie McGovern was recording that and he re- recorded my, my first record. But that's that's kind of like when I got involved with those people is when it the switch finally got thrown where I just started writing songs of my own. Okay, I want to let's let's hear another one of one of your songs because this this new record is just chock full of of good songs like and it they hang together too you know like everything you can put the record on and just let it roll which is actually good for vinyl too you're releasing it on vinyl so then you can just drop the needle and let the side play out which is a beautiful beautiful thing. Um, but when we come back, I want to talk about you. You touched upon that just a second ago. Like, what's something that got you into kind of writing your own songs? Because that's a switch, too. Some musicians go their whole lives, you know, simply playing music yeah. without really writing a whole lot. And then some, the switch gets thrown, to use your imagery. And then there you go. So this next tune, what's this going to be? This is called Andalusia. Andalusia. And Eric Haywood's going to play some pedal steel on this as well, which is a beautiful, beautiful instrument. Probably, I can't decide. I flip-flop back and forth whether Hammond organ played properly or pedal steel is my favorite complimentary instrument mm. and one of my favorite bands of all time blue rodeo they're from toronto they have both so it just kind of hits the nail hits both nails with one hammerhead on both you get heads it. anyway yeah on both heads all right so kip boardman accompanied by eric haywood andalusia beautiful song from his brand new record release party tomorrow night el cid honky tonk hacienda kip boardman on independence day this one's called andalusia <laughs> Thank you. 
there was a time when that was close at hand. All she had to do was close her eyes The time moves by This eyes have seen too much And all that's but a distant memory
Very, very nice kip. You too, Eric. That's fantastic. Thank you. Good playing. Beautiful. Um, and wholly original. Like, you do this thing that's kind of your thing. I mean, it fits within the pantheon of perhaps alt-country-ish, but it's, it's you own this, man. It's really good. That's very kind of you. Thank you. You're welcome. And what... Okay, so what was it you think that flipped that switch to actually commit to doing your music, writing songs? Was there something that had to get out? What was it for you? I'm not sure, really. I just uh, just became time, and um, I started. I started. I you know, I guess I felt like I wanted to make a record. So okay, <laughs> which is very simply put, uh, were you when so when you go to write then then or even now. Um, you know, you've been playing bass for so long. Which instrument do you gravitate towards for running, for for uh, for writing rather? Well, it varies, but um, back then it was definitely piano. Okay, um, that's what I was primarily writing on. Okay, and uh, but then today you're playing the stuff on guitar. Like for you, when you write stuff, do you write a song on piano and then because guitar is more portable or is there a conscious choice like hey i'm writing this on piano but i'm going to play it on guitar like what what makes that decision well you know as i, I <clears throat> there's no piano here so that's um one yeah. factor but um i you know i can uh, i can go either way okay do you have I mean, a guitar is a little nicer because you can sort of um interact with the people you're playing music with when you're playing piano your back is to yeah people. well a piano's you know uh, uh, ostensibly a piece of furniture mm. right so you're sitting at a piano the guitar you pick up and like kind of bring into your body and you mm. take it with you and you go right you know um you know even but then you know even uh even like a, a digital board you know or like a Wurlitzer or a Rhodes or something like that i mean it's yeah. a substantial instrument so it's where it's going to be unless you want to do like the the guitar <laughs> thing, you know, the Howard Jones. Although, you know who I saw? There's a video of, um, who does Frankenstein? Edgar Winter. He, I didn't know this, but he's playing guitar on that. And of all the times I've ever seen people do it, like, he's kind of badass playing that. Totally thing. badass. And that's great. Like, if he's, he's allowed, I call it the Miles Davis exception. <laughs> it's something I've invented, which is, if someone's acting out and doing something. The MDE. Something, yeah. If someone's acting out and doing something kind of eccentric, right? Uh, my question for them is, are you Miles Davis? Because it goes back to this idea, like, you know, he used to empty his spit valve on people in the front row of his concerts, but people would clamor to be those people that got Miles spit on him. So in my mind, I'm thinking, God, what a bastard. Like, what a jerk move. But the thing is, he's Miles Davis. Like, he's so cool that even though it's a jerk move and maybe he shouldn't be doing it, I'm going to allow that. So that's the Miles Davis exception. Mm -hmm. So, so you're asking me... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what I'm asking you, Kip. I'm just trying to get through our conversation here, find out about your new record. Uh, this would be a good time to tell people. I'm talking to Kip Boardman, legendary Los Angeles musicians, played with a million people, probably at least, right? million and five. million and five as of this morning. Uh, he's got a brand new record out. It's eponymously titled his name, Boardman. You can pick that up on his website, which is kipboardman.com. Uh, and it's great stuff. You know, it's kind of loosely organic-y, country, funky, Memphis-y. I don't know. It's like everything at once in a way, I mm. think. I, I have, I'm so bad at answering those questions. Like, yeah. Did you just, I mean, we touched on this a little bit before, but did you, you, so you just let the kind of, you let the whole thing 
just be organic. What these musicians came up with is what it is. Yeah, kind of. I mean, they're, they have all have incredible individual voices, you know? Yeah. And, and that's the uh, thing, you know, that you get the right people and let them do their thing. Yeah. That's like the rule, you know, rule number one is don't screw it up for yep. everything in the world. Absolutely. But I guess rule number two is just get good people and trust in what they do. And they did good things. Um, so tell me now, you know, listening to these songs, like I hear uh, the song you played a minute ago, Andalusia, it seems to be kind of like, um, I don't know, it's, it's a, is it a love song? Like, what, what was that exactly? Uh, that's, you know, hard to say. Open hard for to interpretation? Say. Absolutely. Now tell me, are there specific topics you like to write about? You know, Springsteen's Girls and Cars and Unions and such. You know what? Uh, what is it for you? Is it, it can be anything or? Uh, yeah, anything and nothing. Um, I. Not even sure about that. <clears throat> but are you, um, a, are you a napkin scribbler? Like, are you the kind of guy that you're in line at the coffee shop and you get a line and you kind of write it down and throw it in your pocket? Are you a journaler? Like, how do you how do you you know archive these things? Well, I have notebooks around that are scattered through my house like one sitting on the piano and and uh phrases come up they go in there and then yeah maybe they'll see the light of day or yeah and then you know melodies the same way just kind of something that's humming through your head or are you, do they happen while you're farting around on an instrument well i would say uh a really uh important part of writing for me is walking like uh, okay, and uh, as a, I'm don't have a dog right now, but I've had dogs for the last thirty years, and so a lot of time spent walking, walking yeah. dogs, and and you know you're you're not talking and you're thinking and you have a sort of a rhythmic walk going and stuff starts phrases start sort of coming up and cycling around and um, that that's kind of like my primary writing. Yeah, and that's a good time to do it, too, because dog energy is good energy. Yeah. I think. You know, there's something about the brainwaves of dogs that, it, I mean, I, I'm i a much calmer, happier person mm. when there's a dog around. I mean, I guess my ultimate job, regardless of what that would be, would be to always have a dog there, like in the office or on the tour bus or wherever they are. Mm. Uh, so that's, that's good. I, I, I can certainly appreciate that because it's a Zen thing. Yeah. Like a dog gets you out into the world, you know. And, yeah, you know, and moving your body and getting your breath going and your blood yeah. going. And, um, I mean, you know, and I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, but you're not terribly extroverted. So having a dog for you, Kip, would be a good thing to get you specifically out of your house. I am so offended. You are not. <laughs> so are you, you know, being, you know, somewhat quiet, um, do you have any issues getting up in front of people to play tunes? Uh, yeah, it. Uh, I get, I get terrified and uh have to like calm myself and um and uh but there's there's nothing like it though yeah but you're yeah, that's the thing like you're not so terrified that you don't do it right uh there's a great story uh when the uh on september 11th when the towers were burning and everybody was coming down the stairs uh there's a, a woman i think got kind of terrified and she was frozen and she was blocking the way for a bunch of other people mm. and the people behind her were like you know, hey, what's the holdup here? And she goes, well, I'm scared. I, I can't go down. I'm scared. And the guy behind her just said, well, do it scared. 
you know, and that's the trick is that, you know, sometimes in life, you just, whether you're scared or not, you yeah. got to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, especially if you love it, which it seems like you do. All right. So I'm talking with Kip Boardman, Los Angeles based singer songwriter. He's got a brand new record called Boardman. Uh, chock full of great players. He's playing tomorrow night at El Cid at the uh, Honky Tonk Hacienda. Playing, I think, in the early set, I think. Show up at what? Seven or eight, and you'll be good? Uh, I think 9.30 is supposed to be our... Your time? Our time, yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, come out to El Cid. They're down on Sunset here in L.A. Uh, and you've got another song for us, Kip. What's this one going to be? Uh, this is going to be Too Far Gone. It's a Billy Sherrill song. That, uh, uh, yeah, Tammy, Tammy Wynette. Tammy Wynette, as they say. Absolutely. Down in Nashville. All right, so let's hear this. Kip Boardman, accompanied by Eric Haywood, Tammy Wynette song, uh, excuse me, composed by Billy Sherrill, Too Far Gone on Independence Day. can tell that somewhere there's someone you'd rather see someone you love more than me and though it hurts to say you have the right That's the way it should be But I'm too far gone Too far gone I guess that I loved you much for too long and I'm too far gone If ever your new love should hurt you or make you feel blue Hurt you Make you feel blue Remember your own love Still be around loving you I'll be around loving you Thank you. 
Once again, very nice, Kip. Sounds great, man. Thank you. Good, good, good. I'm trying to think of what, what, what can I ask you that would be like the longest sentence I can possibly get out of you? It's like almost turning into a game. Come on, you're exaggerating my inability to uh, express myself. <laughs> well, you're well spoken, but you're, you remind me like my brother, my, one of my younger brothers is kind of like this. Like he saves it up. You know, he's got his, he's, he's just as sharp as anybody in the world. But he's, he kind of keeps it up, and then when he does say something, and maybe it's a southern thing. Like you know what it is? You're a southern person. You're just not from the south. Ah, if only. Yeah. Um, all right. What are we going to talk about next? Let's talk about uh, assembling this band. Are these people? I mean, you just kind of know friends of yours from the scene. You know, you put them together to do the cinema bar show, but these are top tier players. Some of these guys, you know, they're professional musicians out on tour. A lot of whom expect to be paid doing what they do, and they because they make a living at it. Um, you know, how is it that you got this particular group together? Well, I had been, uh, I'd been playing with Steve McGallion for a while. I'd done a lot of playing with Rob Douglas, uh, with Tony Gilkison in the past and, um, a bunch of other things and Eric Haywood I've known forever and used to play with he and his wife, Kristen Mooney and, um, just been good friends forever and Dave Gleason someone I've just always admired he's um and a great guy and um and had this chance to play a show at the cinema bar and had one rehearsal and um so this all kind of happened to be available for that show which then led to the other stuff is that how it worked out yeah cuz you don't keep uh, if i'm understanding this correctly you don't have like a regular band like that's very la to not have a regular band of people just kind of there's just the talent level is so high you just kind of go down the list of people that you know yeah well you know i always it's always uh that's a tough one for me because i don't feel like my songs are uh in or generally speaking are um easy for someone to just come and and play without without knowing how they go. Right. You know, they're not like three chord style things. I mean, that's a liability when you write songs that are even just a little bit more complex than just a one, four, five, you know, type thing. Yeah. And you definitely have that mixed in here. Like, you know, my favorite thing in the world when it comes to songwriting is like uh, minor key verses, major key choruses, or mm. vice versa, or happy songs in a minor key or sad songs in a major key. Yeah. You know, and you've got that kind of stuff. Modulations. Going on modulations and you know key changes time changes you know it's not like we all have to be king's x in terms of or rush in terms of 13 8 time or anything like that but you know when your music is like that it's a liability because you have to find good players to pull it off true and um and you know and, and 
<clears throat> those players have millions of songs in their heads because they're right. playing with so many people, and and you, I always feel guilty about f- furthering their brain load, <laughs> warping them. Do you now for things like this, you, you know, your songs having you know changes that are slightly more complex? Are you charting things out for people, like just writing like a simple chord change, like for Eric, like hey, here's a new tune. And you drop it down and say, okay, this goes to here and here. Or like in Nashville, they've got the number system where like they can all sit down and without a chart at all and then just give like hand signals. Uh, no, it's, uh, you know, he's a, he has a good ear. So. Okay. Well, I don't mean specifically for Eric. I mean for any of these cats. I mean, right. Are you charting anything at all? Well, sometimes I will, but it's not, there's, it's not a sophisticated system or anything. Just okay. Uh, so talk to me then, you know, have you had a chance to get out on the road? And do a lot of touring, or because I, mean, I just know you as I mean, a Los Angeles guy. Yeah, uh, no, I haven't. That's one of my terrible failings as a solo musician is I haven't, I haven't supported any of my records yet until this one. Well, here's your big chance, man. I know you've got vinyl. You've yep. got the video. Talk to me about the video. Oh yeah, uh, it's um, Julia Ewan put this together. She's the uh, photographer nelson's old friend who um took the pictures for the record and uh put this video together for the song oh the ache and um it's a beautiful thing and the uh, oh the ache that's going to be our web exclusive track with people they can drop by the independence day website indepthday.com they can also go to the facebook page which is facebook.com slash indepthday uh, also on youtube you'll find it there too we have a youtube channel which is youtube.com slash in-depth day videos, I think. I should know that off the top of my head, but it's escaping me right now. Uh, so, you know, maybe we can put a, you know, maybe we'll drop the video on there as well. That'd be great. So tell me about the shooting the video experience. It's, that's become such a guerrilla affair these days. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's, uh, it was strange for me. And uh, um, luckily there's, uh, there's not much of me in it because... Uh, there's nothing I that makes me more uncomfortable than like standing and looking in a mirror or something, you know. It's such a gorilla experience now. It's like so different than it used to be. Like before, it was like you had to have catering because you were shooting on film, film back. It seemed like back in the day, and now I mean, you can shoot the whole thing on your phone. Like how how advanced did you guys get with this particular video? Uh, we it, we kept it really simple, and our <clears throat> goal was to have. Uh, as few shots as possible. Okay. Now, she, she served as the art director and the producer and all those kinds of things. Yeah. Okay. Now, is it having not seen the video, um, there's some shots of you. There's some shots of, like, a duck. Like, what is it exactly? Well, there's, uh, I believe, I'm, I haven't seen the final version okay. myself, but uh, there's a painfully long shot of, uh, of my, much like the record cover, um, my head, your face, right? My face, and in front of that same backdrop, um, just uh, staring straight, straight ahead for uh, for a long time. It was hard. Yeah. Well, it reminds me of the uh, well, the Radiohead video where they filled the thing, the thing up with water. Do you remember that video? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, Tom York, the singer from Radiohead. I don't. I, was it Karma Police? I don't remember. One of those things in the mid '90s where mm-hmm. he was he was singing. It was just like his framed head, just like you talked about, and he mm-hmm. was singing. But they were gradually filling up 
Uh, the space done that. Head in. It's, it's not too late. If it's still in progress, you could do it. But they filmed the, they, they filled the whole thing up with water to the whole point where like he was he sat there for a pretty good while. I was impressed. I have no idea how they they pulled that off. Maybe they had a, two layers of glass and the water was just going up. Oh, he's definitely wet. The poor guy's wet. He's mm. he's immersed in water. So torture. This is before the whole waterboarding thing became dear. Oh uh, yeah, became a thing. Um, so talk to me. I'm going to get to the last song here in just a second. But talk to me just a little bit about technology. Right, because technology in, in music has changed so drastically. You're asking since. the wrong guy about technology. But, but, that's, but, but that's what I want to know. That's why I want to ask you specifically. Like I plan, like I, I'm asking you because you know before you mentioned Spotify, which kind of surprised me. Like you, did, you don't seem like the kind of guy who would use Spotify. Like I would kind of peg you as being a vinyl guy, right? So how is, has technology changed the way you make music? Has it changed the way you listen to music? Like the, the internet didn't exist when we started this whole thing. Yeah, I mean. Um, <clears throat> everyone's listening to music in like with really horrible sounding speakers like they're listening to songs on their phone the phone speaker whatever computer speakers and it's uh it's a little crazy i think your your ear has to do tricks to like yeah sort of translate how it would sound in a nice set of speakers yeah, so but that's just it. You know, everybody's listening to earbuds and on laptop speakers because now nobody even has. It seems like nobody has a desktop computer anymore, like an iPad speaker. Right. Even there's a couple tricks. Do you know the trick where you can put your phone in a pint glass? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. where uh, you know if you're like on tour, touring musicians, that's a trick that I, that's yep. how I learned that. Like when you're in a hotel room, if you put your phone, if you get just the right kind of glass, you get it down in there. It acts like a little bass boost. Yep, and it kind of gives a more full range. It's essentially a, a speaker sort of. Yeah, styrofoam cup. You just poke it poke it through there yeah do that too um so now with this record let's apply technology to your record and let's get to that last song did you guys track this on pro tools on yes that it's called pro tools pro tools and pro tools accessories uh well no because there's logic and there's right you know there's other software that you could use and i think now you know talking to engineer friends like we're to the point where you know your you people press vinyl off of a digital master, which sounds like it might be kind of odd. Yeah. But we're getting to the point now where the bit rate, you know, the bit depth and the sample rate mm-hmm. are such that it kind of makes sense to a certain extent. Like those little blocks are getting so close together. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, is, is there a point where you won't be able to tell? You know, I guess we'd have to ask like Ed Cherney or Neil Young. Yep. Uh, Neil Young will always complain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, he'll be able to hear it. That's his gig. You know, and God bless somebody. I'm glad somebody cares. Yeah. You know, and the whole Pono thing that he's like, there's like the turbo iPod thing that he developed, you know, yep. the high resolution thing. At first it sounded insane because it's ridiculously expensive. Mm-hmm. But there's some really good, I would encourage people, I, I can't afford one, but uh, Nor I. read up on it a little bit because it's actually way cooler than you think it is. Yeah. It's a cool idea. It's like a whole ecosystem that he's got going on there. Anyway, I'm talking with Kit Boardman. He's got a brand new record, uh, CD release party, album release party, I can call it, uh, tomorrow night at El Cid, the Honky Tonk Hacienda. He's accompanied by Eric Haywood tonight. Uh, what's this last tune going to be, Kit? This one is called The Truth and the Idiot. All right. Tell me just a little bit about it, and then let's hear it. Uh, this is an old song, actually, that uh, was on my record, Hello, I Must Be, but in a completely different tone and form and... Um, but this was kind of the way we're doing it is the way it was originally intended. All right, cool. Once again, Kit Boardman along with Eric Haywood on Independence Day. The song is called The Truth and the Idiot. One, two. Three. 
that's on the trigger Give that itching a rest The stakes will soon be so much bigger You will be spared for a much greater test Of these plans of your own design Turn out the light In the moment the black mist closes All is revealed Glimmer and white left of the night let your mind begin to wander all that remains waiting to bite and if you still don't comprehend all those spoons that you never Very nice, Kip, man. I can't say enough how much uh, I dig what you do. It's good stuff. Thank you. Whether it's live or otherwise, and it's good to have good people. You're smart. I mean, that's the smartest thing to do in the world, is to, especially if you're nervous about doing it. Surround yourself with the best people possible. I think I've done that. And that can be, you have done that, and that can be said for anything in life. So uh, drop by El Cid tomorrow night to see uh, the CD release party, album release party with Kip. Same folks are on the record, which Dave Gleason on guitar, Eric Haywood is going to play pedal steel. Rob Douglas on the bass, and Steve Magallion. 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 Pretty close. <laughs> close enough. Uh, he's going to play some drums. So it's good stuff, man. I can't wait to go out and see the show, and I hope you sell a million copies of this record. Thank you. Very nice. Come back and see us sometime. Sounds good. 
So thanks to Kit Boardman and Eric Haywood, also to the Independence Day staff, Valentina Rivera, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. The charming Tony Tonlo Piscotti manages the Independence Day website. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. For Independence Day, as always, I am Joe Armstrong. Please be good to one another.